Parental guidance is recommended because this episode has mature topics and strong language. Here are some moments you can look forward to during this episode of Book Interrupted. There may be some people out there who may find it offensive. No pressure, but she's like, I think that you could write the next great Canadian novel. Grushda, get off, <laughs> usually. My friends who listen, no, I'm not uncomfortable. <laughs> there wouldn't be a self-help industry or section. <laughs> I've read a lot of self-help. <laughs> In my life, so I know that genre. Or asked a woman. Yeah, or asked a woman. My body and soul. Inflammation is the goal. Trying to learn something new. The Book Interrupted, a book club for busy people to connect, and one that celebrates life's interruptions. Hi, I'm Sarah. I started Book Interrupted and asked the closest people to me to be part of it. First, I asked my sister. Hi, I'm Meredith, the sister. My first friend. Hi, I'm Kim, the first friend. My old roommate. Hi, I'm Lindsay, the old roommate. My high school friend. Hi, I'm Kara, the high school friend. My good friend and Kara's sister. That's me. Hi, I'm Leah, Sarah's friend, Kara's sister, and the final member of Book Interrupted. If you'd like to join along, this book cycle is from January 3rd to February 7th. It's Sarah's book cycle, which is mine. And the book we're reading is Women Who Run With the Wolves by Clarissa Picola Estes, PhD. Through storytelling, this book dives into the wild woman archetype and how it can be restored. If you'd like more information about Book Interrupted and our current book cycle, please go to www.bookinterrupted.com. Welcome to the fan episode. We're going to find out what the fans thought during this book cycle. Kim would like to start off the fan episode. Okay, so I did not have a chance to listen to episode five before episode five went live. And so um, also what often happens is when there's space between the moment and then, you know, uh, a, a second listen, you have different thoughts, right? And so two thoughts occurred to me when I was listening to episode five that I thought might be important to bring up. So the first thought that I had was when we were all talking about Coyote Dick, how and we didn't really understand, right? What's the point? Oh my God, coyote dick. Oh, it's the men are rubbing off their nettles or whatever. We had our, I would call it shallow understanding of that story. But the thing that it made me think about is that um, I wanted to be careful because I know that many indigenous cultures um, use coyote as um, one of the characters when they are storytelling. And so that character, for lack of a better word, carries with it a lot of potential meaning, I assume, right? I'm not an Indigenous person. I am, in fact, a person of settler ancestry with British heritage. I'm coming live from the territory of the Okanagan Nation, right? Just to give a proper land acknowledgement. But when I was hearing us talk about Coyote, I thought that maybe there may be some people out there who may find it offensive or just a little bit dismissive for us to 
talk the way we talk, but that's not our fault. What it is, is a reflection of the society that did not value other ways of knowing. So we have not been indoctrined unless we have pursued the education to know that storytelling is a valid means of education. And it's a very important one to many Indigenous cultures. And in their storytelling ways, often Coyote is the trickster. And um, you learn from him, from the, the follies he has. He's always like helped and he's always you know, kind of put back together or re-accepted. And there's many layers of lessons when Coyote shows up. And we may not have known that just by virtue of of who we are and, and how we were raised, right? So I just wanted to take a minute to acknowledge the other perspective. When I was hearing the podcast, I was thinking, why didn't I say that? Why didn't I mention, why didn't I throw in, hey, Coyote's the trickster or whatever I know, right? So I wanted to have a chance to say it now. And that brings me to the second point is um, when we were talking about the ugly duckling and we were kind of saying, you know, like you can pick your group. It doesn't have to be what you look like. I think obviously we're coming from, you know, places of I know that we're coming from a good place. But also what I heard was and what I wanted to acknowledge is I heard our privilege in some of those statements because um, without acknowledging our social position, from which we can make those statements comfortably and, oh yeah, just do what you want and pick who you want and your friends and um, looks don't matter. It made me start to think, uh-oh, it might've been culturally insensitive for many people, looks do matter because of the color of their skin, they're treated differently or they're excluded or, and they don't get to pick their group because they're just lumped into a group based on what they look like. So I also wanted to take an opportunity to speak to that, to have us, I mean, it's not our fault again, right? But this is part of the work in, you know, making it a better place for everyone is acknowledging our social position by virtue of the society and also taking a minute to remind our audience even that there are other perspectives. And hopefully those other perspectives, if and when they're listening to us, they're not offended. I thought that we could take this time that I've just taken to mention those two points in an effort to move towards cultural sensitivity, because I think that's something that we find important and value and want to remain like open with and growth oriented with. And I hope too that any fans that are listening out there that have something that we've said that you find that uh, maybe we just don't know what we would like for you to tell us and talk yeah. to us and open that dialogue so that we can learn. Because uh, just like Kim says, we don't we don't know everything, obviously, and that we want to learn. We want to learn from you. So please contact us. Let us know. Write to us or email or call us. We have a phone number uh, and let us know how you feel so that uh, we can learn more. Right. Uh, you can get our absolutely. contact information on our website at www.bookinterrupted.com at the bottom of the page. Or you can email at connect at bookinterrupted.com. Yeah. And then if you contact us, we will also address it on our fan episode. Exactly. That's, that's, that's what we're here for. Nice segue. Yeah. Because we just launched Book Interrupted. I'm sure most of us, the first reactions were from our mothers. Who's starting? No. I can no. start about my mom. Yeah. Do it. <laughs> okay. No, she, I told her that she had to follow our group. <laughs> <laughs> she had to like everything, but she would, does not want to listen to the podcast, which I'm totally fine with. I told her that she didn't have to, that all she had to do was like and uh, promote us. So she's been doing that. 
and she comments on Sarah's little comments and Sarah yeah, comments back and she always does that. So she's really being involved in that way, which I really appreciate. So, but she is being really encouraging and helping and I'm really proud of her for doing that. And I appreciate it a lot. I love your My mom's mom. comments. Me too. Yeah, I <laughs> love it. I My like mom. mom's comments. Dea, I, I yeah. can't see you. Like... <laughs> Dan's mom's often trying to. She's follow. on it though. She's, yeah. she's all yeah. over it. Yeah, yeah, she's all over it. Yeah, Dan's yeah. Uh, family has been very supportive. Totally. Um, yeah. So Dan is Meredith's husband, husband. Just so everybody understands who Dan is. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So your mother-in-laws, actually. My mother-in-laws. Yeah, have been yeah, very supportive. Tracy also. Yeah. 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 And then our mother, Mare podcast came out and we talked about the lady who oh, yeah. used to go to Chicago and wear the fancy hat blowing her brains out because she couldn't do that anymore you know she's she's very loving and she called me and asked she's she's worried about me and Sarah like are we going to be blowing our brains out we can't go to Chicago with a fancy hat not specifically that but she's so sweet Wondering. because both Sarah and I left our careers to be home with our families even if only temporarily and uh, she worries about that, that a lot but then that made me realize that my fancy hat is not Chicago my my fancy hat in Chicago is um, being in the forest. So I'm in the right place in the North here. So yeah, cool. my fancy hat in Chicago is reading books. So you're like, yeah. I'm good, mom. I'm good. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Oh, actually, something that's been very flattering with the moms is like, I've got a lot of positive feedback about the blog, the down the rabbit hole blog. So which is really great, because I do love writing. I haven't done it for a long time. I guess just life got in the way and stuff. So it's been very. Uh, oh, I love cool. your blog. I it's amazing. It. I, I look forward to it every Sunday. I wake up and I'm like, oh, I get to read the blog this week and see what yeah. where the book took you. Because it's so interesting how you just take it. And then all of a sudden you're talking about people's eyebrows and about how society is dealing with this and then music. And then so that's really cool that you're taking this idea of this book and letting it kind of take you on different paths. I love it. It's been yeah. fun. That's kind of how I experience books, though, too, is I get really in it. But uh, but in good mom fashion, no pressure. But she's like, I think that you could write the next great Canadian novel. <laughs> oh, oh Charlene, she is the most wonderful woman. Like, honestly. Oh, she's so supportive. It's nice. I know. She's, she's just a hoot. And then my stepmom said, you might have a book in you, which is nice, too. Oh, that's nice. nice. Yeah, they're very supportive. Oh, I'd read your book. I bet your book would be good. I'd read it too. Mom's team now. You do have the next not good There. Get to work. Yeah, get to work. Did Karen leave your mom? Did your has your mom? Not that I'm aware of. She's grilling me for why haven't I sent her all the appropriate links? She's on the internet a lot, but she doesn't participate in social media. Porn. Yeah. That's what it is then? Porn addiction? Articles. Clearly. It's porn yeah. addiction. And then she yes. forwards yeah. the articles <laughs> that she reads. How did you know? Accordingly. Porn articles. That's what everybody says about porn. They do it for the articles. <laughs> do we need to cut that? Yeah, probably. No, leave it in. She thinks that's great. Uh, no, I don't think she'd give a fuck. Yeah. <laughs> I, I wish that was the answer. Instead, it's har- harassment through articles. <laughs> like, Anything with clickbait, she grabs and emails. She has emailed me, though. I don't even know that she reads the articles. No, Mia. she reads the title and she's like, oh, this is this is for this person. I imagine she sends stuff to all her friends. She sends a lot of articles. Yeah. Education, parenting. Fantastic. But um, she doesn't seem unsupportive. I just don't think she's watching. 
So I had after, I think it was episode three. Was that, was that the episode? Yeah. It was episode was. Three. After episode three, I had a few friends approach me who'd listened or seen advertisements of um, the episode in which it was focused completely on being a parent and being a mother. And uh, they said to me, how are you feeling? One of them was a bit angry for me. She said, well, that's not fair that you were left out. I had other you know, friends saying, well, you must feel really emotional about this. Um, for anyone who doesn't know, and I'll talk about this more during Seeing Red, I can't have children. My partner and I tried and we can't. So the reason I didn't speak during that that episode is because I'm not a parent and I'm not an expert. And I just, just like when Kim said she hadn't read the book and didn't feel confident, I don't feel confident talking about being a parent because I'm not a parent, but I also am really happy that you all can share that with me. And I think that, you know, I'm an aunt to all of your kids and I'm really proud aunt. And I never, ever, ever want any of you to not speak about these things in front of me because, you know, it's amazing. And that's something that's really strong and important in your lives. And so I want to be a part of it, even if I, I'm, I'm not a mom. But we had talked about it a bit because I had mentioned this to the group before. And I had said, but, you know, I, I do feel left out sometimes. Like, I do feel like I, I shouldn't have been in this group, that everybody's the mom and that um, I feel like the outsider sometimes you know, that is hard, but then we talked about it as a group. And I think everybody feels like the outsider for some reason. I think that's, what's great about this, this group is that we all bring something different. And so I bring a different perspective. And so that's, uh, so I'm happy to be here. I think that's pretty much what I wanted to say about that. If I left out something. It was very articulate. It was very very happy you're here too. Yeah. (laughs) Yes. Thanks. So anyway, so my point being that my friends who listen, no, I'm not uncomfortable. <laughs> Make a good point too, is that, you know, our listeners see uh, the episodes and off camera, we're all friends and we're all supporting each other through good and bad and just like our, each other's experiences as well. This interruption is brought to you by Unpublished. Do you want to know more about the members and Book Interrupted? Go behind the scenes? Visit our website at www.bookinterrupted. Book interrupted. Are you ready for the interruption of all interruptions? Like literally the best interruption of all time? Okay, here we go. Isn't that great? It's silence, pure and total silence. In fact, it's so glorious and so quiet It's distracting. I don't know what to do. I guess I've kind of gotten used to having endless noise all the time with the kids home over COVID. And finally, I saw an opportunity where I could escape to the office where hubby was going to look after the kids and I could go to this nice quiet building where nobody is. I am all by myself. It is pure and total bliss. And yet I can't focus on a gosh darn thing because this silence is torturous. I guess you can't win. Book interrupted. You know how we put out there for male book options? Oh, yes. So we had two come back. And I don't know if, Lindsay, if you want to address the person. They hadn't actually read the book, but they heard that that might be similar. Yeah. So a friend of mine is an acupuncturist and she contacted a male acupuncturist a friend of hers and asked once she had heard our episode and asked him if he knew anything 
that would fit into this category of book. And he sent back The Way of the Superior Man. And she said, he sent it back because he's well, very well read. And he's, so he had sent this. I think that they were looking for more than, as opposed to like the male version of it, as opposed to the same information in a male style. Well, Meredith can talk about this because she read it. Started listening to it. I got a couple of chapters in. I think Women Who Run With The Wolf talks about trying to be like your natural self, you know, listening to your instinctual self. This one, how do I say this delicately? It no. seems more bathed in the patriarchy and the assumptions made in the patriarchy. It just didn't really, I don't want to say anything bad, but I didn't like it. I found it offensive for men and women, actually. But I played some because it was an audiobook for my husband and he was like, <laughs> it was it was shocking. The stuff it was saying was shocking. Do you um, have one in your head? You know, I do. You, you give, yeah, give us one. Oh, of what they said? Some version, yeah, something that was shocking or you were like, what? I do have something. He'd say things like, when your woman can't make up her mind and you say, what, are you lying to me? And it kind of assumes that men think that women are lying to them all the time. They're like, no, it's just her. That's just her energy. Women, uh, you know, basically can't make a decision. Get that his opinion is that women aren't decisive. And you can see that, for example, if you're having a conversation with them, they take a long way. They want to talk about a different different things and take a long way to get there, even though you're like, what are you even talking about? Let's just solve this this problem we have and I'll, I'll solve it for you right now. And he likened that to how women and men have sex, where men are just trying to get to, to ejaculate and finish, whereas women want to take a journey instead or something. And uh, I mean, just likening. No, I'm in a pretty big rush to get off. Usually, <laughs> I'm trying to beat him. And then he goes, "Oh, this is a good." He'd be like, "So let's say you come Literally. home and you say to your woman, um, who are these women? Do you want to go to the movies?'" And then she says, "No, I don't want to go to the movies." He's like, "Maybe what you need to do is kiss her deeply and dance with her and this and that, and then try asking her again. Do you want to go to the movies?" And she'd be like, "Of course I do." Or, just like oh. the advice just wasn't like you know whereas <laughs> like, women who run with the wolves is about working for you on yourself for yourself not um on how to deal with women is one of the goals of the superior man book how i found the thing the little description it says the way of the superior man a spiritual guide to mastering the challenges of women work and sexual desire what do women really want what makes a good lover what is your true purpose in life so i can see why Maybe thinking about it, that spiritual thing could, you know, kind of, now that you've kinda. read it, you know, it's not the same, but, but I could see how that could be an idea of how the spiritual journey of the man versus the spiritual journey of the woman. I think like the that. guy was, he, it's almost like he had an idea of how he could like help men improve their life, but he just hadn't quite figured it all out yet. Or yeah, ask so. a woman. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> I would say like, maybe it's just a poor example of a comparison. Like it was just one that was offered yeah. um, as a suggestion. And maybe it's just its own type of entity. And it's not necessarily an exact kind of like yin yang. I had heard of it. I just didn't, I didn't really know anything about I, it. Either. Yeah. I would not recommend it. <laughs> well, that's what I called. I called it. I, I was like, it'll say this and it'll say, you know what I mean? Like the man yeah. books are all like, be a man. And that's kind of what that one was. It was a really toxic version of how you're going to be yes. a superior man too. Like, um, you put it so perfectly alert. without it sounding as offensive as I did. Oh, okay. <laughs> there you go. 
Well, and Mare found another book though, right? Yeah. That, that it was a better yes. kind of fit, we think. So, and it's called, I don't want to talk about it by Terrence Real. And I think this book is it. The book is talking about overt and covert male depression and how it shows up in men differently than women because of uh, this patriarchy we live in and mm. how men can find themselves feeling, you know, depressed or just kind of deadened, like not feeling 100% because they've had all these parts of them that were suppressed because of the patriarchy and how that affects men's mental mental health. I think this book might be it. It's also from the 90s. Um, it sounds fantastic yeah, though, Mayor. Right? I so love that. that. Sounds like exactly what we were requesting, you know. Right. Like, and yeah, a lot of the reviews for the men. Yes, a lot of the reviews are the same things where some men are like everyone needs to read this book, men and women, or this book changed my life. Um I found a few where people said, "Oh, this is just psychobabble." But you'll find that with any kind of like psychology book. Again, it's from the 90s, so some of the stuff might be a little bit outdated in the same way that Women Who Run With the Wolves is. Well, I want to put that on my reading list. Yeah. I know. I was so like, one, of, read one of the other fans, they suggested four agreements or like it's written by a man and it's spiritual. I have an oh. opinion about four agreements. So oh, um, yes, I brought it okay. up. Yeah, just, uh, it better so, be that you love it because it's one of my favorite books. No well, pressure. then never mind. No, just kidding. <laughs> um, I, I, the content, uh, like the, the message, I guess, this is another version of like the women who are in the wolves, but way shorter book. The, the content is super amazing. I totally agree. Follow those four agreements and you will be pretty good to go. If you can actually, you know, be deep enough to understand what they're saying to you. However, when I read that book, I was like, oh, shut the fuck up. Like, I felt like this really? stuff, imagine you live in this place and in this place, all these things are this way, idiot. And don't forget, like it just, the, the, I, the and it's my brain the tone? to be in that tone, mm. but the tone was really like, condescending. Like was, yes. Like I was going to say, like, if it was condescending or just even. I guess, yeah, condescending, like there was like this, the way that I took in that information, I was like, okay, fine. Like, I get it. Okay. Don't take things personally and be impeccable with your word. But like, I don't know, don't forget in the dreamland, everything is weird. Like, I don't know, like just reminding, like as if I can't keep up with the message or something. I don't know. I remember reading it and being like, I want this content. And I like fought my hatred of like, so for whatever reason, it's like similar experience to women who run with the wolves for me. Mm -hmm. uh, I did not feel like fighting women who run with the wolves to consume it. Whereas I want like the mm. four agreements, I fought it so that I could consume it because I, I could really, the value of the message really resonated with me. I knew it on a cellular level, right? Like that's true. That's some truth here. Let me hear this truth so I can understand. And then he was telling it to me in such a way that I was like, yeah, get stop it. Like, <laughs> Like your subconscious, you're like, I don't need your roadmap, your yeah, guidance. Maybe. Like, mm -mm, this is my place. Yeah. yeah. It was similar with the power of now. I was at like page 25 and I was like, oh, okay, I get it. Book over. Like, be in the now, right on. Like, you don't have to keep on. Like, is there anything else about it? No, it's just always about <laughs> being in the moment. Okay, good. Got it. <laughs> Done. Like, <laughs> So I guess he didn't want to write a, a pamphlet on being in the know. now. You start doing like, uh, you know, like the Coles notes, like you start doing spinoffs of like the spiritual self-help books. 
of all the ones that annoy you. Like here, just read these two pages. You're good. Yeah, totally. That's a great idea, right? I'll do the pamphlets. Yeah. This, this, and this. Forget the rest. Done. <laughs> I'd love that. Yes, please. Because I don't want to read any of the books. So there you, go. you just give me the Coles notes and I'm good to go. <laughs> this is a good segue because um, one of the fans said the topic is basically like fixing yourself, which implies that you're broken. They wrote a, a bigger quote. But my response to that is it's not about, oh, you're broken. And what I mean by that is the whole point of life is to grow. If you are not growing, then you're dying. That's the end of that, like period, right? So if you want to be like, no, I just want to, I just want to stay the same. I don't want to change. I don't want to learn. I don't want to improve anything that implies forward progress or movement. Then you're like, you're resisting the natural flow of what's up. Like, that's how it is. I don't know if that's true. I know a couple of real content people. You can't not change. When you stop changing, mm-hmm. then you die. It's just a fact. Well, it depends on what kind of change, like physical change. Yeah, there's always movement. It's very comfortable yeah. to not change. That's why people freak out about it or resist it by being like, this implies that people are broken. That's why I'm not buying into it. That's why I'm going to not change. But mm-hmm. do you guys think that, I mean... When you think of the self-help, like I've read a lot of self-help in my life. So. And do you, yeah, I know that genre, but do you think that it's like, is it overkill? Like, do you know what I mean? Like, like there's just so many books about all the things that you need to fix to be a better person, like constantly, like, is there something to say about like, just being like, I'm pretty good. Yes. Yes, there is. Yes. <laughs> I, mean? like, I agree. Do you know what I mean? Like, that's what I'm getting I at. Like, maybe you're right. Maybe this has to do with like, I'm not broken. Like he, that's the quote they said, I'm not broken. But it does make me think about the whole, like constantly feeling not good enough, like always needing, and especially if you're like, I'm kind of like that ambitious type perfectionist type personality. So sometimes I have to take a break from that because, <laughs> because it's yeah. like, you're constantly working towards How can you stay present and accept yourself and the now if you're constantly being forced to look back and reflect and do the work, but also look forward for what you might um, miss? And are there parts of the self-help industry that actually do have mechanisms to perpetuate the consumer in us? If the self-help industry was in effect doing its implied job, there wouldn't be a self-help industry or section (laughs) anymore, right? But the part, and I think it's Johan Hari speaks to this uh, greatly, and I'm just kind of paraphrasing him here, and I I apologize if I butcher it, but really like one of the main components that the self-help industry leaves out is others. It's implied that you're supposed to figure this all out, all on your own just by reading this book. But yeah, I do kind of wonder about that too. I think one needs to decide for themselves and say, yeah, yeah it's not, a, it's a like a reframing totally. It's like, well, aren't we all kind of broken and aren't we all kind of not broken? Because there is perfection in our imperfectness. Like right. we well, would be need. dead if we, if we, came, if we came out, uh, like why else are we here? 
you know, if not to work things out and grow and live. So yeah, I think you're right in that. But I think there's something to be monitoring. said about like you you do just live, even if you're you can be like the wriggly fish on the hook that like flails around and try to get off the hook, or you could just be on the fucking hook. Like you don't have to fix yourself. Like yeah, sometimes I like that about maybe about the patriarchy is at least a certain type of male that just has been so pampered their whole life that they just are completely flawed and feel no need to fix themselves at all. They just show I'm up. Good. They got their face, they got their penis and they're here to party. <laughs> like that's it. And it's like, there's something disgusting and beautiful about that. Like they don't feel the need to be fixed at all. They're so entitled. It must be nice. I want to be that entitled. I don't want to feel like I have to fix myself at all. I would love to accept myself. So yeah. I just think you don't have to, I don't know if I believe that like changing in the self-transformative way means living. You just live that, either way. Well, I think what matters is like your why too. Like if you're changing because you're pursuing perfection or if you're, you know, reading self-help books because you don't think you're good enough, right? If it's a self-esteem thing. Or happy or something. Right, right. Like, like it, it, it can be healthy or unhealthy, just like anything really. But like, if you want, if you have an idea that you want to be the best person you can be and you think that consuming some of this knowledge might add to your ability to love yourself or whatever, then like it's good. But if you're doing it because of you're trying to get, you know, an internal problem fixed externally, then mm -hmm. you're going to be, you know, continually disappointed because that work belongs on the inside. You can't get it from a book. And then this self-help industry is like, shut up, Kim. Like, don't tell them. Right. Because that's the yeah. thing. And that's how, and that's how they tweak you because they want to make you feel like you're broken. So that person that spoke in it's working, right? Because it's like, well, I'm offended because you're trying to tell me I'm broken. And, and for most people or the, the consumers that fund the self-help industry, uh, sadly, it is because that's manipulation has been successful. It's the same thing with advertising though. Like, well, I'm drinking this beer because there's a hot girl, like whatever. Like, it's really manipulative on a on a subconscious level. I guess I feel like from the last, the, well, the last two books, but I guess let's just keep it in the woman who runs with wolves kind of started this thought little seedling in my head that it's like, it's not about male or female either. Like I, I used a male example there, but like, I think it just comes down to, I think ignorance is bliss to a certain extent. Like <laughs> the more true. I look inward, the less I want to do it. I'm much happier <laughs> when I ignore it. If I'm honest, <laughs> like is it's like it's a little bit true i'd rather just watch too much tv you know i'd rather just drink one more glass of wine sometimes it feels like a lot of work y'all well i mean that's <laughs> reading all is. these books is a lot of work y'all. <laughs> it's valid right like you want to you know not like, be i'm still living i mean the ignorance is bliss it's true but it's like then i wonder well, it doesn't feel very practical I guess that's what the last two books lacked for me. And again, sorry, I'll loop it back to Women Who Runs With Wolves. It lacks any practical work, which I know we'll touch on the next, the third book next, which is, I think is like a big relief. It's like, I need something, You, I need some guidance, not just imaginary guidance. Symbolic guidance. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, give me a step-by-step. <laughs> Tell me what to do. Yeah, because this is very deep for some or me. And I think something I want to say about the self-help thing is, you know, they can say some of these things are like you're broken or you need to fix this or that. And 
it's easy for people to believe that I think ultimately what every human is looking for is fulfillment. And hmm, if you can find what fulfills you, and that's what Clarissa is talking about with uh, artistic expression is that uh, a lot of people find fulfillment in that. And ultimately, if you can find some fulfillment in your, li- in your life, that's what it's about. And you could cycle through a lot of different self-help books and not find the one that's going to spark the inspiration that will lead you to have something mm-hmm. fulfilling in your life. And I think that's one of the needs of humans is to have something fulfilling mm-hmm. spiritually. Fulfilling. Yeah, and I also well, think too that if you, you can have parts of you that you would like to change or improve or learn or whatever without feeling broken or without being broken. You can be a confident person who is, who wants to learn and grow. And, you know, I put my passion and my learning into wine and into other things that, you know, I don't want to read a lot of self-help books for me. This is the, I did this for Sarah. I came into this for Sarah. I knew this was not going to be my jam. And the first two books definitely weren't my jam. I mean, the third one's my choice and it's practical and it's that, and that's more my thing. I want something that's, that's going to be factual. I, I don't want to, as I said, I think in the last episode, I don't want to take apart my psyche and talk about name my yeah. pain body. I just don't want to do that. I'm happy, like, you know, generally, and some days I'm not, and I have bad periods, which we'll talk about in the Seeing Red book. But at the same time, like, yes, I want to learn and grow. And if someone tells me, you know, teaches me something, like we were talking about at the beginning of the episode about things that I might say that are culturally insensitive or things that I might say that I, you know, that I shouldn't have or done a certain way or whatever, then great. Tell me, I'd love to learn and grow there, but I don't need to pick it apart. I don't, I don't need to think of, I don't need an archetype. I don't need for me to, to put whatever I am into a box and fit it into a box. For me, I'm just everything all of the time. And, and so I think that's also why I have a hard time with women who run with the wolves. Um, do you want to go to another comment? Another sure, topic. Sure, from yeah. They mentioned to you specifically, Meredith, about they weren't sure they're going to enjoy our podcast because it, it seems really for women. Oh, yes. Um, it is true. Wanna, like the I, first three yeah, books did you, yeah. do seem very, they are very woman centric. I agree. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And depending on um, the type of man you are, you may or may not want to read these books. I would say, but. Later on, our other picks are for everybody and are not the audience for the last three books that we've chosen is not women. It's just humans. All humans. I would argue that humans could read any of these books too. Like maybe the guy that wrote that superior man book could read these books and listen to this podcast and then get a perspective, you know what I mean, (laughs) of someone other than himself, right? Like I'm just saying that uh, depending on what type of books you read as a man, you may or may not enjoy these particular books. I mean, as a woman, you may or may not enjoy these books. Exactly. As is is before us. One of the other male fans that listened to the book, Women Who Run With the Wolves, and made some comments, said uh, he considers himself a feminist, but he really felt like, he he said, as a feminist and male, I'm often looking for literature that speaks to men. And this certainly did not appeal to men. Is that the same yeah, person as a that feminist, did the quote yeah. about, well, yes. will you say the quote about the, he listened yes. to the, the audio book. Women Who Run With The Wolves audiobook is narrated by the voice that you think it would be if it were part of a hippie cult. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. <laughs> so there you go. Yeah, he said that too. <laughs> who's, got um, a, who's got an impression of that voice? 
because I don't, I can't. Oh, I don't have it's very in my soothing. Head. Well, I think it's um, actually Clarissa Pinkola Estes, isn't it? I think it's her. Got a yeah, beautiful voice. Yeah, beautiful author, voice. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You can tell yeah. that she's she's a therapist that she helps people. So, you know, I don't know. Yeah, it's lovely. Assuming, never aggressive. Yeah, um, sounds like somebody who's we can share people. our feelings here. This yeah, is Kara a can safe do it. place. Kara, who's <laughs> training to help people, <laughs> can do it. So the good, you've already got that checked there you off. Go. <laughs> now I just need to learn all the uh, all the rest of it. <laughs> all the you rest know. Of stuff. No yeah. biggie. No big deal. But I got the <laughs> in the interview <laughs> they asked me so they're like so do you think feel like you're bringing anything to the table I'll be like well I've listen mastered to voice <laughs> listen to this. yeah obviously you bring oh, in the book and you start reading women who rub with the wall <laughs> <laughs> this was one of the first uh feedbacks that I got uh for our podcast and she listened to the first two episodes back to back and she said, oh my goodness, I love your podcast. She also said, well, obviously, um, this is not your sister's first podcast because Sarah's done such a bang up job uh, making this such a quality production. And she also said, <laughs> Sarah, that, that, <laughs> she's so cute. She's so so in the corner. <laughs> um, <laughs> she's like a puppy. Exceeding like, expectations. Exceeding expectations. No sort of perfect. Yeah, but don't let Debbie come in here, Sarah. No Debbie. Don't let Debbie come in. I was going there for a second. I'm like, don't say that. And then we're going to get comments about all the things that are wrong. Oh. What she did say is that it was, it's exactly what she was looking for. And uh, she said, maybe it's because she's a bibliophile, but she did, did love it. And she also has read Women Who Run With the Wolves at school, when she went to school as a, like she studied it. And so it's an interesting perspective. I think that if I had read this book as part of a study to learn how to interpret stories, I think I would have maybe experienced it different because I went into it being like, well, this is a self-help book. If it was just like, this is how you interpret stories. I think I would have approached it differently that it does feel like a book club. So um, I don't know if you guys are part of book clubs outside of this, but this is kind of what a book club is. Sometimes people read, sometimes they don't. We talk about life in my book club. We drink wine as well, which is nice. (laughs) Um, Yeah. So I've actually never been part of book club before I've always been too busy and then like the pressure of finishing the book in the month and yeah I just well never you know I got a I got a feedback from another friend and they were saying and I think that other people think this they're like well like I'm not going to read this book but that's such so important for our listeners to know is that you don't have to read the book. In fact, sometimes we don't even read the book. Uh, but part of what <laughs> the join us about, for the talk and the wine. Yeah, it's about the talk and connecting, and you know, just talking about life and how books uh, affect our lives, and and you can still connect even if you can't read. And you know, some people might not have access to the book either. So yeah, that doesn't mean. But it's that about you can't the topic. Yeah, it's, it's just not about a the prerequisite. Thing. It's like um seedling, like Leah had in her brain. But I don't so want the seedling. <laughs> yeah, you don't, don't want, want any anyway. seedlings. I'm don't not growing shit. <laughs> Kara, I don't know if we want to quickly, if we want to discuss what, is it Rachel? Yes. To, yeah. To work with. Yeah. Um, How she uses the book. My experience of uh, being with my boss when we're both co-facilitating like you know, whether it's like corporate training events or uh, group coaching workshops. And uh, she has a very interesting way of applying material in general. 
that she has like absorbed. Um, and she often will do this and it comes, it's never planned for. She'll just kind of like, it just comes out of her and every single time I'm how did you think of that? So in this particular case, she had just finished reading the book uh, and we had a bunch of like a series like every week with the same group of people doing some coaching workshops. And so what she um, did on more than one occasion is when we would be talking about a topic, let's say it's like trusted leadership or working in more volatile times, she would sometimes like just draw upon the different fairy tales or folklore or mini stories within the chapters and be able to apply them in corporate settings, having her share what are like like bedtime stories, you know, that you'd hear as a kid and to have it, it was like with all these leaders, like top senior execs and like directors and officers of the company. And we're like all meeting together and it's like, let's learn the material, you know, and then insert here storytelling. And you would just like, people would just soften and they would sit back a little and they would remember to breathe. And then they were somehow able to then find more truths within themselves and bring that forward and share it. And it was just, it was just the most beautiful experience to see people in like almost like their work armor and to have storytelling become a part of the learning environment to see how at a physical level it affected people. But then also anytime a story was shared to see the emotional and mental reactions that would come about in a way, the softness and gentleness of the storytelling elicited a softness and a responsiveness that was more gentle among all participants. I think that just coming from a business background, I can see that because oftentimes when you're like negotiating or what have you, or you know, trying to get down the material, get the meeting over. And when you inject any sort of story, it immediately softens people. Everyone kind of like relaxes, like, and it becomes more of like less just about business and more about the people in the room. Yeah. I know that for me anyway, I would always, when I was on business calls, I always you know, what, what is this, what is the company's story that I'm working for? Or what is my company's story? Um, Mm. because if, if you're talking, if you're telling your story, it creates more of a, it's less about like, what are the numbers? I think I know what you're saying. You're like, you can still get to the same. Yeah. Objective. Yeah, it is Sarah. Like you, like you might be like the people in the room are focused on getting these tasks done, A, B, C, D. And then if you can interrupt it and say, okay, now we're going to talk about something that makes you have to reflect on yes. uh, something. So you're going to be using a completely different uh, skill set, uh, you know, or in order to reflect on the story. And I think that's, that's good because it's easy to just take orders and just get your job done. But if you really want to be a better company, if you have all your employees kind of more reflecting on what they're going to do with permission yes. to speak their voice, uh, you know, because some places you don't have the permission to speak your voice. You're just like, mm-hmm. just do what you're told and that's it. But, uh, you know, a really successful company you would hope is going to listen to everybody and you want the employees to reflect. So that makes sense that you could use storytelling to try to snap people out of that, you know, that mindset of just getting yeah. it done and actually think about what they're doing and reflect further is I, I, learning the right thing. I use storytelling a lot at, um, at my work at the restaurant because- really. 
Yeah, well, I work in a Japanese restaurant and so I sell a lot of sake and I know a lot about sake and and wine as well. And I think people just love stories. So when I'm talking about it, I'm, you know, sharing a sake or telling them about it or selling it or I tell them the story of the place and what what the water is like and and our my sake sommelier has taught me about all these different neat places and what the label means and how, you know, one sake is about how this man had this chrysanthemum flower and he would have the water and, the, and <laughs> how he lived forever. He lived for thousands of years and how my whole thing is, well, if you drink this sake, then you're going to live forever. And it's this whole story. And so people get attached to something and they learn something. And so I think storytelling can be used in so many different ways as well. So and they can immerse them I in the experience that. instead of just yeah. drinking it. They drink yeah. it and think about the story and it can enjoy the flavor and, and the art yeah. behind the sake. Exactly. That's great. Yeah. Oh. Hey, just one more thing. I think it was interesting because that kind of brings us full circle from the beginning of the podcast because everything that you're describing is exactly what Indigenous people have known for since time immemorial. Like that's why they, that's, you just basically totally understood in your own versions, the power of storytelling. Yes, and Rachel is from right? yeah, and the Turtle Clan. Well, there she you go. Is, she has her Indigenous status. She yes. is Indigenous, right? She is Indigenous. That's awesome that you got to witness and experience, you know, the magic of storytelling. So I think that's great. And I love mm-hmm. that it came back to... That's kind of weird, hey? Eh? Full circle. Like yeah, that. it is. Like our story of. just... And it was totally unplanned. ...ate its own tail. Thank you for joining us on this episode of Book Interrupted. If you'd like to see the video highlights from this episode, please go to our YouTube channel. Be sure to subscribe and you'll be notified when there's new content. Want to be part of the conversation? Have your voice heard on our fan episode or recommend a book and you could be joining us for a six-week book cycle. Find out more by going to www.bookinterrupted.com fans. Moments you can look forward to on next week's Book interrupted. It's a really easy read and fast. Like slowly being broken up with for like 20 years and then they fuck off and you're like, just take a shot to the face. No big deal, girl. Keep that marriage together. Why can't we just be loving who we love without fitting into a label? I'm going to mess up all over the place here. That song, It's You I Like. That's a good one. Might have to put that on our playlist. Book interrupted.